Do you hear it? Like, hear it? And now listen. Yeah, much better. Yeah. So it really is just the gentle, the gentlest, you know, hummingbird's beak worth of connection. Yeah. Is this really the way we should be operating? Not you, but this is the equipment that uh, should be sold. Where it's like a, the gentle touch of a balsa wood model. Yeah. A house of cards. I know. I really need to invest in a little board. Mm. Are you recording? Yeah. Okay. I'm not doing Zencaster. There's no point. You hate it. Well, it was the, it was, we were doing that. So you could edit. I know, but I'm never doing it. If you want me to edit, I'll do it. <clears throat> but maybe you could just record it and then just send it to me. Nah, you're too busy. You're too busy to I edit. I am busy. Ellie has a little Zoom birthday party to go to at three. That's sad. Well, it's better than nothing. Yeah, I mean, I guess. And then I have a hair appointment for them at five. But so how does a Zoom birthday party work? Do you have to provide the cake? So you have a cake that you're going to give Ellie so it falls on the parent. But I, they still expect you to send a present. So you have to mail a present for this no. for this Zoom birthday party. And then they get off the hook of having to supply the party favors and the cakes and all the other stuff. Now you have to provide that, too. What it's a, a direct, scam. It's a virtual directed drawing birthday party. So they're going to draw pictures? I guess. I don't know what's going to happen. But <laughs> it's a real shame. I mean, it's a shame that kids, I know that birthday parties are important for kids. I know. Which is all the whole creation of on the parents' front. If all parents banded together and said, we're not celebrating, you know what's going to happen on the birthday? You're getting me mm. presents as the mom. That's what you should yeah, say. Yeah, I deserve a present more than, well, you get a lot of presents as a mom, I guess. You get a birthday present, you get Mother's Day present, you get Christmas present. And then you get their birthday present. You should get their birthday present. You should. I guess get, you should because you, like you gestated them and then you pushed them out. You shouldn't get your birthday out. present. You shouldn't be getting birthday presents hmm. for your birthday. Your mom should be getting them at that point. Yeah, that really should be the case. Your birthday should be a day to gift something to your parent. Good luck changing it. We live in a world of selfish hey. Selfish we can change hellions. it because we can do whatever we want. So, well, you know what? On my birthday this year, I'm going to get my mom something. It's my birthday and it means so much to me. And I say it's this. It's my birthday. Yeah, I say this as a person who has to deal with adults who act like that. You didn't do anything. If you want to pretend that you're special, which you're not because people aren't special. There are many people. You're not that much different than any of the others. You can mm-hmm. do all the things you want to try to set yourself apart. You can try to get fame and riches because you think that'll make you better than other people and then justify your idea that you're special. Truth is you're not. But the birthday is the least, you know, all that aside, that's the most terrible time to celebrate you being special because you didn't do anything. You didn't do a damn thing. You were shot into the world or cut out if you refused to come out like I did. Yeah. Were you cut out? I was cut out because I knew better. I said, I don't, I don't want to go out there. I could sense it from the get go. I was like, that's not a place I want to be. It's not a place anyone wants to be. It's not true. But then they pretend that they want to be out there. You you do what you have to do at that point, I guess, to get by. Lie to yourself. No thoughts on that, huh? (sighs) I'm trying to absorb it. Think about it. Well, don't. take some of it away. Just focus on the birthday part of it. 
okay. You didn't do anything. Why are you celebrating a whole week? Yeah. I think that um, birthdays, I think that birthdays used to be more significant because like you've lived, you know, now that living seems a little bit more attainable than it ever has been and continues maybe to be that uh, before it was like, oh man, you're, you're 38 and you're still okay. We should celebrate. (laughs) You haven't died of, you know, typhoid yet. Yeah, that's true. That's a very, very good point. It's like, okay, you're here. You made it again. Yeah. Death, death's right around the corner. You're almost 40, brother. You better have, I hope you've had 10 kids to help you tend to the farm because you about to die because it's 1902. See, that reframes it. And that's a celebration of the person's life that they're still alive. The celebration yeah. that other people put on uh, birthdays at this point. While it still falls, the onus of it still falls to other people to celebrate the birthday. The person in question who's being celebrated is they get very angry if other people don't drop everything quite often. Yeah. Yeah. It's morphed into something, it, uh, just a reason to celebrate rather than realizing you're still alive. Yeah. We really drilled it into kids' heads. It's your birthday. You're special. Here we go. Well, you know what Ellie keeps asking about for her birthday? She's like, well, on my birthday, you know, you'll have to say yes to this because it'll be my birthday. Because there are these things on YouTube where these, you know, thirst trap parents post these videos of their kids' birthdays where they say yes to everything. And so they go to Target. They're like, I want to go to Target and buy things. And so they take their kids to Target and they just say yes to everything that the kid wants. You know, or like, I want ice cream for breakfast. And you're like, okay. And so she thinks that this is just like something you do. And I was like, guess what? That's not happening. <laughs> I will probably say yes to you a little bit more easily on your birth date. But I'm not going. You can't, you're not taking me to Target and then to the poorhouse <laughs> afterward because I bought all this bullshit for you. It is insane. YouTube is poison. YouTube is poisoning the minds of America and the yeah. world and the youth. I mean, it's before up to me though, I shouldn't let her watch it. Maybe, <laughs> but it's it's everywhere. Before, you know, kids were influenced by what they saw on television. Not to claim that television was some great place that didn't try to manipulate their wants and desires by yeah. creating cartoons that were strictly just to push a toy line or throwing all those commercials in their faces. I want this. I want this. But I feel like with YouTube, then you, well, it started maybe with my sweet 16, which was supposed to be making fun of those people. I would assume those, those hardcore brats who cried because they didn't get the correct Cadillac. Yeah. That's, that's, that was an upsetting show. And, but I feel like at least when it was first pitched, maybe it was like, this is so insane. Let's document this and put this out there. But it did become then a thing. It's like, no, I mean, the, the satire is gone now. <laughs> this is what kids want. And the other kids watch that. And it didn't have the intended effect. They didn't watch it and think, I don't want to be like her. I see what it's like when you're spoiled. Instead, it, I think it planted the seed. It's like, I want all of that. Why do I don't have? Why don't I have all of that? I guess. And then YouTube, it carried over into YouTube. Now you watch these kids. Yeah. Opening presents, talking about how special they are on their birthday. And it just gives a point of comparison for your kid. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, well, that kid got everything. And because I'm a kid and my brain is half mush still, 
I don't understand. Yeah. Uh, the, the best I can do is correlate love to that. And so that kid's parents really love him. <laughs> and my parents don't. I, know. I mean, I'm glad. To, uh, listen, we're not struggling, but I am glad to give Ellie some kind of struggle because it's not good to say yes constantly to, to them and to never teach them disappointment, you know, or to never, like I've, I've, I've talked about before, like lawnmower parents that remove every obstacle out of the kid's way, you know, so that they never learn how to feel negative anything. And the only things that they do feel negatively about are because. Because they saw it on of YouTube. Some, of disappointment of something they didn't get. Yeah. You know, this way, like she does, she needs, we've talked about this before. We all need struggle, you know, to, you have to have resistance to gain strength. <gasps> that's good. And that's why that's astronauts, so that's why their bodies deplete. It's no resistance. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of astronauts. Oh yeah. I guess that can lead into the topic. Anyway, um, Good luck with the Zoom birthday. I think it would have been a good year for parents to say, you know what? There's no birthday this year. I'm sorry. It's just the state of the world. We'll get back to it. I mean, they year. might have done that. Uh, oh, no. They Would they have done that last year? No. When when did the pandemic start? March. <laughs> March. Okay. So never mind. So I was thinking like maybe last year they did that because with Ellie, her, her birthday was in May and we were just like, all right, just a, I'm just going to make you a cake and we're going to sing happy birthday and you're going to get a present. I'm like, just relax. But yeah, I mean, you're we're we're deep in it. A Zoom birthday makes sense. I mean, it's fine as long as you didn't have to. You have to supply the cake, though. No, I don't. Uh, it, anyway, we did make a cake yesterday. Just totally unrelated to that. All right. Well, at least she has a cake now. Yeah. And you didn't have to send the kid any presents. So, all right, get on the Zoom. Sweet. Draw pictures of buttons and leaves. But is that what it is? It's a drawing party. Yeah. Uh, buttons is a funny thing. Well, what do kids draw? Kid. They draw circles. Anything that's cir circular based. A button. I mean, maybe a cat's it's head. like you can draw. Use. Yeah. Use these circles to make a cat's face. I think that's what kids like. They just draw circles and then they add things to it. This is the mm -hmm. sun. This is a wheel. Yep. These are leave, uh, uh, petals on a flower. This is an circles. eyeball. This is the lines and circles. That's what the first chapter. That's like your uh, childhood. <laughs> it's called lines and circles. When you write your that's memoir. What, yeah, your memoirs. Lines and circles. Here's when I associated everything with lines and circles. Back so long ago when I was a small child. Now that I'm an adult and I'm 21, here's my memoir. Welcome to One Topic, where we stick to one topic. My name is Autumn Fisher. My name is Greg Russ, and uh, it's your week, Autumn, though. Well, go ahead. I'm I'm not going to steal your glory. Oh, thank you so much, because I am the only person who came up with this idea. This was my unique uh, thought process. No one had any influence on me choosing this topic this week, and the topic is Jupiter. The planet. The, the planet. The scariest planet. Yeah, this was solely your idea. I've never thought about Jupiter and how, how it scares the, the hell out of me. How it's You're the frightening. only other person I've met who 
Jupiter also scares. When I say that, they're like, people say, what do you mean? It's like, it's too big. It's too big. I don't like it. There's no surface. Even the core of it probably isn't a sur. It's not even a hardcore. It's probably some creepy, dense gas or, or like liquid or something. I don't like it. I don't like that it's so huge. I don't like that it has all that shit around it. I appreciate things about it, which we'll get into. But yes, it's too big and it's always up there in the sky. You can see it in like every season. It's up there looking at us. Yeah, this is what gets you going about it. I mean, the fact that it exists, the fact that any giant planets exist, the fact that the sun exists, the fact that there are suns several times larger than our sun, more than several times larger, space in general, the fact that it exists is the most frightening thing, I think, that you could uh, ever really think about. And maybe that's why people avoid it. Sometimes I think people avoid it because they're stupid. And they don't have the, the capacity to think about such things, that they exist in a large universe and that their existence is relatively insignificant. Though within that, just aside, within that, it depends on how you want to look at it. There is the one classical view that none of it matters because we don't matter because we are so small and there's so much more out there. So get over yourselves. And I think that there's some value in that. Um, but you don't have to take it that far. It doesn't have to be complete nihilism. It can also be it's like, but you know what? We are here. And that in itself is a pretty interesting thing. Uh, That's your inner struggle, what you're saying. This is your inner struggle. Well, it is. I mean, the fact that we're here, the intelligent, I put it in quotes, because I many arguments about how intelligent we really are, probably really not so intelligent, just more intelligent than the other creatures on this planet. But overall, the way we act and carry ourselves goes to show that we're some of the dumbest fucking creatures <laughs> possibly that could have ever been in- invented. But, you know, within that, that we are here, you can assign some value to it. Definitely. So I fall somewhere. Yeah, I guess that's my struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, maybe like, I have such intense feelings, but I'm worthless. Maybe the point is that, uh, you know, it is too scary. Just overall, it's too scary. And that's why people don't think about it. It's not because they're not interested and in they're or they're more Ooh. interested in themselves. I get, I get the creeps thinking about Jupiter. Oh, and it spins so fast. It spins way too fast for how big it is. Why is that? Why? Yeah, but why are you saying that it spins way too fast? It spins at the speed that it spins. So therefore, it's Ooh. not too fast for it. Something that big should not have a single day that is nine hours. and It says nine hours and 55 minutes. It says? Ugh. No, no. This was commonly held knowledge, Autumn. It, oh, it oh. says... My my commonly held. I knew that it spun fast. <laughs> I knew that it spun quickly, but I didn't know exactly. So I looked up facts about Jupiter. <laughs> I mean, that is pretty. How big is Jupiter in terms of comparing it to Earth? What is it? What What do you remember from your brain, not from a fact that you looked oh. up? What are you asking? How many Earths can fit inside Jupiter? Oh, I don't know. But isn't it like five Earths across is how big the the red spot is? Something like that. Well, three, I think. I think, I don't know if that thing varies in size. I've seen. Is it just three? Yeah, just three Earths. Overall, <laughs> Still- 13, overall 1,300 Earths can fit inside of Jupiter. And I think the <laughs> reason we're focusing on Jupiter as, a, <laughs> as something that's scary is because it is so close compared to the other things. I mean, the fact the sun is pretty close and that exists right now, this just hot, churning ball of plasma and And the sun is huge. And compared to other suns, it's tiny. And that's what I mean. If you ever looked at that video. <laughs> 
that shows, I think it does show Earth and then Jupiter and then our sun to scale. And then it just continues on throughout many other stars that are um, unimaginably gigantic. And they're just out there and they're violent and they're churning. And we're not talking about stars that have started to like explode and expanded. We're talking about just like, I'm just, this is my life as a star and I'm huge. But Jupiter is the, is the focal point because it is so close. It's right there and you can see yeah. it with the, and I know you can see the sun, but you know, it's planets you can see it with the naked eye. Uh, what is, I think it's the fourth brightest object in the sky behind the moon, sun, and then Venus. Yeah. Which we'll get. I know we're talking about Jupiter. Venus really should be scarier than Jupiter. Why is that? Venus is just a horrific place. Because. Isn't it like really cold and really hot? And it's just really hot. The whole thing is really hot. Oh, There's it is? runaway greenhouse gas effect where its thick atmosphere has made it so hot and it rains sulfuric acid. And Why was Venus the place that we were going to go? You remember it was always like. Venus. Who said like, this? Oh, Venus is where to go. Nobody said this. When who was and saying this? And then it this? turned to Mars. I feel like pop culturally, it. I mean, everyone talked about like men from Mars, you know. But um, I, don't, I, I don't think that realistically anyone was ever talking about going to Venus and settling on Venus. I think the the idea with Venus is similar in size to Earth. Uh, it's got an atmosphere, so it's maybe yeah, a little more. One- but no, it's been you can't even send probes to Venus. They melt right away. You can't even I'm study that though, planet. Before we started sending probes and things there, I think that there was sort of a mindset of like, oh, maybe Venus is sort of like where we can go because it has the atmosphere. It's nice color. We like it, but it's actually horrific. Well, possibly, I guess, before we knew things. I yeah. can. Uh, well, they named it such a nice thing. Why would they name it such a nice Venus? You know? I don't know. <laughs> they think? named Jupiter because it's like the god of war or whatever, because Ju- or whatever Jupiter means, because it's a scary ass place. Well, what I don't what is what goddess is Venus? Venus is like you know, nice goddess. <laughs> that's the that's it. That's what you've got. <laughs> the goddess of love. Okay, I didn't know that. I was, I was yeah. asking. I just thought beauty, desire, sex, fertility, prosperity, and victory. I thought you were just saying. <clears throat> Excuse me. I don't really know. Nice goddess. <laughs> no, Venus is Venus is hotter than Mercury because of the atmosphere. Uh-huh. It has that weird thing where it spins clockwise on its axis because there was some giant collision at some point. Such a huge collision that it caused it to spin the opposite direction than all the other planets. And I think Venus's uh year is and the day are very similar i don't remember how close they are but it just spins so slowly uh the the reason i think venus is actually scarier scarier even though i get wrapped up in jupiter is because it is similar at least in theory and at first glance to earth so Mm -hmm. it's the comparison is wow that's a place like oh my god it's nothing like ours and right (laughs) you know the the atmospheric pressure is 90 times greater than that of earth so you'd be oh it's a day on venus is longer than a year of for Venus. Yeah. A violent, violent history that place is. Yes. And yeah, the acid and the heat and the pressure. Yeah. But for whatever reason, because it's bright in the sky and it's got a pretty name and I guess it looks kind of pretty. It is always up there too. It's typically up there next to the moon hanging out. We give it more of a pass than Jupiter, which is, uh, yeah, just, 
a failed star that is angry and violent. Yeah. I don't, I don't like it. I don't know how close it actually was to becoming a star, but when I think about Jupiter and its personality, you know, it's like the underachiever. It's bigger and it can bully the the nerds and the weaklings. But when it comes to the stars and the cool kids, it gets bullied. <laughs> the stars say you, you couldn't you just couldn't cut it. Saturn is the cool Jupiter. Well, this Saturn is also very like, gaseous, gaseous, um, huge. Uh, but like is more relaxed. It's the rings. Saturn is just as worrisome as Jupiter is in terms of its atmosphere and the swirling it look clouds. As, tumultuous as Jupiter. Does. I mean, it's still got the same thing going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's it's a got the it's a gas giant with the raging storms. Uh, I don't. Well, Jupiter, I know that the idea of what drives those storms is the heat. So Jupiter is very mm. hot down near its core and it's cooler as you go up. And, you know, similar to Earth, there's a balance that uh, that nature wants to be struck. And so things like tornadoes, for example, it's like, you know, when there's a convergence of cooler air and warmer right. air and it starts spinning so it can balance its whole thing out. And that's uh, the reason Jupiter's got those nonstop swirling storms in the great red spot, which is three times, maybe five times <laughs> the size of Earth. That's a it's like a hurricane. Three times the size of our planet. Ugh. It's just I can't comprehend it. And it's been it's been happening for hundreds and years. I think 300 something years, 350 just, years. It just continues. It's unsettling. And the the wind speeds, which actually aren't as bad as I would have thought, they're they're over three hundred miles per hour, between three and four hundred miles per hour, which is much faster than any winds we get here on Earth. I think you know two hundred oh, miles yeah. per hour is probably the top limit, and I would assume that on Jupiter it would have been more. But for a person in your weak little body, three hundred mile per hour winds just being could you imagine just being dumped into the atmosphere of Jupiter? Say you could live a little bit by breathing with some apparatus yeah they have a thing like that they have a, a video somewhere online where it's like you're a you're in a special spacesuit and it takes you through you know entering jupiter who hosts it it's not neil degrasse tyson is it oh no i don't think so it's tiffany haddish <laughs> i don't know who that is i don't get that reference she's that comedian she's real funny that's all i got <laughs> i'm sorry i dropped you i left you <laughs> hanging because i don't know the Tiffany Haddish. Tiffany Haddish reference. is someone you would not suspect to do a voice of something serious. That's why I said it. She was in the Lego movie too. Oh, I'm looking her up. Yeah, I don't know who she is. No offense, Tiffany Haddish. I'm not saying that yeah. that's a commentary on your talent or your ability to perform. I just don't know. I don't keep up anymore. Listen, Jupiter's atmosphere is the solar system's largest planetary atmosphere. It is composed of hydrogen 90% and helium 10% and roughly the same proportions found in the sun. Yeah, that's what I was saying earlier, that it's got the same makeup as the sun. And if there was a little bit bigger and some more pressure had formed, it could have sparked and become another star. Uh, Albeit, I guess it was a pretty, it would have been a pretty small star. But it's the makings. It was the makings were there. It had the elements. It just didn't have everything it needed. So that's that's why I call it a failure. And it enacts its rage 
on the rest of the solar system by pulling in any interplanetary uh, objects that it can. Yeah. Catches Which them, has really helped us out. Catches them in its orbit, holds them hostage yep, uh, against their will, moon. false imprisonment. How many moons? 79 moons. <laughs> is that how many it is? Yeah. But I mean, there's the the Galilean moons, which are the ones that can be seen from a ground-based telescope <laughs> by someone like Galileo, Io, Europa, Ganymede, and Callisto. And honestly, Jupiter is good for two things. One, protecting the solar system <laughs> from large space objects by pulling them in. Um, and then also by having such cool moons. Well, so now you're I'll, going against... I'll keep Jupiter around because of it's uh it's cool moons but now you're going against you, you've just completely switched your stance jupiter no i'm scary. unhappy with jupiter i can't stand it, it. Is. but oh uh, look at these wonderful things it does it protects us two from, things from straight I'm giving asteroids you two things. and it has beautiful moons that are bigger than some of the planets like mercury and now that pluto is no longer a planet uh these things are just caught r.i.p pluto no it, pluto deserved to go but you can thank, think so. You can thank Neil deGrasse Tyson for that too. He was really proud of himself. Oh, I loved how proud he was. He's like, "Fuck you, everybody!" With your, you know, your um, uh, what's it called when you like to keep things around because they remind you of the past? With your uh, reminiscing. Nope. Your <laughs> sentiment. Why do you keep things? Sentiment. Yes. They, you know, fuck you, everybody, with your sentimentality about Pluto and you know. It's it's part of the planets and you remember your little rhyme about, you know, how many planets there are in its order. Like, nope, Pluto's gone. And I'm glad about it. Fuck you, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Give everybody a break. Well, that guy, the problem with him is his ego really grew. I feel like yeah. at first people were happy to give him the torch. Like, run with it. Be the next Carl Sagan. We yes, need someone. We want that. We need someone to bring science to the masses and make it interesting and relatable. And then he did it, but the, you could see the ego just growing on that man. It burst out of his skull and spilled all over like a mustard stain on his shirt. Yeah, he was like proud to shame people. Yeah, I mean, you the, know, and I don't think that other people that we loved in space did that. Like Sagan would have never done such a thing. Of course not. Sagan I, is the Jim Henson of astronomy. I do want to say that the argument for Pluto not being a planet, I think, was very valid. And I did kind of like, so this was when Neil deGrasse Tyson was known, but he wasn't as known. And I went to see him speak. And he did, during his presentation, he put up letters from children about how they had written these letters so sad that Pluto was no longer a planet. It was their favorite. And he's destroyed their dreams. And he's laughing at the kids. And I have to say, I found some joy in that. I thought it was a pretty funny little segment. Oh, see, that would make me not like him. <laughs> Be like, man, you are mean. No, that that's pretty funny to actually have those and present them. Yeah, but that's not cool. It's not nice. It's cool. It's funny. He should be like, sorry, kids, still the facts. That's fine. But to be laughing at them. Well, they're not there. He can go. He can go get sucked into Jupiter. They're not there. They're not. How uh, do you know that? He's not pointing it out to their face, like. Putting his like finger special in their guests, face. The kids that wrote these letters, they're in the front row. Let's all point and laugh at them. I would have. I would have joined in. But you were, we were just saying in the pre-show, sometimes you got to, you know, you can't protect kids. Can't be a lawnmower parent. You got to 
put them out there and let them run the risk of coming across a Neil deGrasse Tyson who wants to laugh at them for thinking Pluto should be a planet when they have zero idea. Sometimes you got to protect kids just every <laughs> once in a while. From Neil deGrasse Tyson. But no, it was the, the, the level of joy that he took in it. Like not yeah. shaming the kids, but he's like very proud of himself, self-congratulatory. It's like, I did that. I moved. I, I uh, was the lead on that movement. It's like, okay. I don't know. And then that show that he did, the remake of Cosmos, yeah. where he was in that god awful CGI, terrible looking spaceship standing there <laughs> just uncomfortably and awkwardly. It's like, do you not even know how to stand properly, dude? You look like the, the most awkward creature that like you could be an alien. Like, look at the way this thing interacts with its surroundings. It doesn't know. Mm. Ah, but no, here he is. And he thinks that he's God's gift to women and they all want him. And I bet his breath stinks. <laughs> It basically smells like mothballs. I really turned think, on him. What? You think so? I turned on him. It's just the ego. Mm. I have no no time for the ego. There's, there's zero. That's that, We'll tie it back into Jupiter by saying that. I feel like Jupiter has an ego. If if you could assign traits yeah. to the planets, I feel like Jupiter has this ego that I want nothing. Like you said, Saturn, similar to Jupiter, probably just as scary as a place, but it's beautiful and it seems a little more quiet and reserved and comfortable in who it is. Mm-hmm. Jupiter constantly look at me look at me look at me here I am look at me look at this giant red spot look at all these hostages I've taken so many hostages relax Jupiter why don't you just like hang out with your uh, cohorts and form a nice little ring and look beautiful like your friend Saturn Jupiter does have rings sad nah, rings. but they're ring but not like Saturn no, it's nothing like Saturn's, and that's another reason why it gets angry. It's like, I don't have the same kind of rings, so I'm going to take it out on these hostages, Io. Although Io's, mm-hmm. Io's an awful place, too. It's like just volcanoes. The whole thing is volcanoes, just burning everything. Well, and you know the names of the moons, of the Galilean moons, were Jupiter's mistresses. Yeah, well, it's fitting. And Juno... The the probe that the, we sent to go movie like where the girl got pregnant. <laughs> yeah. You remember that movie? That was so cool. I think she had a telescope anyway. Uh, no, the the probe that we sent out to go like hang out with Jupiter and look at all the moons and stuff was named Juno because that was Jupiter's the God's wife. So she was going to like check up on all these mistresses. Sorry, I'm just looking this at this. This fact does not entertain. I'm telling you something interesting and you decide to just totally check out. No, no, I was listening to it. I didn't check <laughs> out. Why did you take offense to that? Because I didn't respond immediately. I was listening yes, to your facts. Because I thought that was really interesting. It is interesting. The naming convention is right. interesting. I didn't know that the moons were named after the mistresses. Uh, again, though, it's fitting for my outlook on Jupiter, which is it's just this self-absorbed piece of shit. It's like, yeah, I have a wife. I don't care. Yeah, I'm going to bang all these other ones too. Just try to stop me. And then, you know, what happened to Juno the probe? It burned up in the atmosphere. Yep. Typical Jupiter. <laughs> That's what we should be calling shitheads instead of like assholes. Calling them Jupiters. Jupiter. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed, such a yeah, Jupiter. He, yeah, he like came into the bar and he was super drunk and he was really trying to take over the place, but everybody was really annoyed. He was a real Jupiter. I'll get on board with that. I'll start that yeah. movement. All right. That could be another T-shirt that we sell. What a Jupiter! That's right. He's a Jupiter. What a Jupiter! 
dolphins are uh, pandas. <laughs> we have great product ideas. We just, uh, we do. you know, I, I'm not shameless and I don't need to make money. So which, so I think, um, which is, which is of the Galilean moons have like the most prospect for life? They're thinking like, which one has like the ice ocean that it's they Europa. think is like liquid? It's Europa? Yes. Yeah, Europa. Yeah, Europa. It could be heated from the core and under the ice, there could be some sweet spots. And the push and pull of Jupiter's, of, of going around Jupiter and like it, the, the, the gravity on the moon, right? Could heat it up. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess there's going to be some kind of, because it's icy and there's friction created. Uh, I don't understand the full mechanics of the yeah. hydro thermal. See, it's the best that you're going to get from me on Hydrothermal that. dynamics? Yeah. Something like that. It works. Um, no, I do think that if we're going to explore, I wish there would be more focus on one of those moons, Europa specifically, because there is this idea that there could be life. I don't know why we're sending probes to Pluto. We know what it, it's nothing. We know there's nothing there. And it was interesting to see once, you know, I know that they launched that. There were features and things that we weren't able to see ever before when uh, Voyager or whatever went around it and hung out with Jupiter for a while. But uh, yeah, ultimately, I mean, Europa and maybe Callisto, right, are the places to really look into. Who cares about Mars also? I mean, going to Mars really is just learning about, like, the solar system's history, which I guess has a place. But if you want to find, like, really exciting new things, going to one of these Jupiter's moons or, uh, I don't know. Well, it depends on what they're looking for. I think Mars, because... One, it just captures the public's interest and as ridiculous as it is, well, it's as ridiculous as it is, you need the public support so you can get the funding from the government. And I know they want to privatize a lot of it, but at that point, a company's not going to just do it for the sake of doing it. They've got to find ways to make money. Um, so, you know, Mars can be colonized. People could live there conceivably. And, you know, it could also just be, I think it's feasible to get people there and get them back alive. Yeah. So that's why there's a focus on Mars. And it's always been in the imaginations of people. Yeah, it's Doesn't clo- the moon seem neighbor. like a better option to make like a base camp for? I guess it's too close. <clears throat> well, they were talking about making a camp on the moon that then would launch to Mars. But you're talking about colonizing the moon? Mm, I just mean making it like a rest stop. Isn't that what we need? We need to be able to like stop and resupply you know, like, you know, forts on the Oregon Trail. Mm, it's it's pointless because the moon may as well be Earth at that point. It's not really going to do any good if you're going to Mars. As a yeah, that's what stop. I mean. Like, it's too close. Yeah. I mean, the idea of launching missions from the moon, I think, is because it's just easier to get out of the atmosphere. Well, no, oh. not the atmosphere, the gravitational pull of the moon. It's that like, makes right, sense. It's, it's more cost effective if you're able to launch from there ultimately. I would be afraid. I, w- I always think about um, because the gravity on the moon is so much lower than Earth that wouldn't it be scary if you could like be up there and in your spacesuit and just jump really hard and then you escape the moon's gravity? And you never land? Ah, 
you're just out there. You would probably orbit the moon, right? <laughs> Maybe you would orbit it and then eventually you'd like slow to a stop onto the surface. I don't know what would happen. I mean, if you're escaping the gravitational pull, maybe you can. Uh, gravity somewhere will catch you, and it maybe seems like maybe a you would just good enough it. jump could get you out of that sort of immediate pull back down to the <laughs> moon surface. <laughs> I don't know. Let's see. Although you can jump very high in the moon, you'll be happy to know there's no need to worry about jumping all the way off into space. <laughs> okay, I'm happy to know that. So it can't happen. Oh man. <laughs> I think what this this episode could I mean we're going to keep focusing on Jupiter and stuff but I feel like this episode could be called we're afraid of outer space because there's so many things about it that just give me the creeps. Yeah, rightly so. It is a strange inhospitable place. Yeah. It's not Oh, I hate the idea of like I said like being like let's say we didn't just know that fact about being able to escape the moon's gravity by jumping. And then you do jump high enough and then you can't like, it's not like you can swim. It's not like you can like push yourself anywhere. You are just at the mercy of what feels like nothing. Cause it is everything that it is nothing. It is nothing. No everything resistance. that you know about movement and your body are <laughs> gone. Hate it. This is why I can't get stoned. <laughs> yeah. These thoughts are already in my head, and then you mm-hmm. you smoke, and then these things become a little more prominent. And yeah, it's it's going nowhere good. Oh, just dying slowly in your spacesuit. I do feel like if we could transport people to Jupiter, though, and just have them go just outside of the planet, close enough, you uh-huh. see the violence of it, you yeah. watch it swirling around, and then they come back to earth it would reframe things we have to reframe people's thinking it'd be a way to show people it's like you're not that important let go a bit stop making everything about yourself you just went and saw jupiter i pulled up what jupiter sounds like you want to hear what this this thing sounds like sure there you go so just listen to that staring at it Someone was doing some hammering in the background. No, why are you so making a joke? Like why are you making a joke about that frightening, horrifying noise? So how how would you be? It's not like if for, if somehow you could be, you know, orbiting Jupiter and then you could take your helmet off and listen. That's not what you would hear. Well, that's like some interpretation of like. No, that's what you would hear. Really? Well, you can't hear things in space because it's a vacuum, so you can't actually hear anything. So how is that? A representation of what you hear. They're recordings of electromagnetic vibrations that pulsate oh. wavelengths that then can be recorded and transferred to the audio that our ears can hear. So they're wavelengths that we've turned into audio. So maybe your ears would like, like your eardrums would vibrate, but you wouldn't be able to interpret what that was. So you might, you, you would feel, oh, maybe you would feel Jupiter more than you would hear it. <laughs> I, I, the point of that is though, it's, it's quite uh you're sitting there. You're, here's what's going on. You're one of these people who's on the subway blasting your music. You think that you're the most important thing around. You're so interesting and people want to hear what you have to think and they want to know what you listen to. And you really have got this all figured out and you have so much to offer the world because you really are just the best and the greatest. You should be sent to Jupiter. 
You should be have to sit there and stare at the thing. Maybe for a couple years. Maybe that's the sentence. And then when you come back, you realize that you are a piece of garbage and nothing. A peon, a crumb that fell off someone's chip witch. And then you go about and you live your life in a manner that's conducive uh, to respect. This, you know, if we want to use and harness Jupiter's awful power, this is the way to do it. I just need to come up with a, a system that can quickly get people to Jupiter. And that becomes jail at that point. I think that is what jail becomes instead of locking people away. You send them and they have to look at this and think about their existence. You know, I wonder if people had similar thoughts about things like the Grand Canyon when they came across them, you know, like the wonder of the earth and that this is something that has been here for millions of years. And this is that Uh, now we're just like, yeah, there it is. It's a national park. Well, you can take a donkey down it. Have you ever been to the Grand Canyon? No. I still think that it catches people's imagination and attention when you go see it because it does reframe your perspective on being alive. So maybe that's what people should be doing now is using. But it's not as scary. There's nothing really scary about it other than the fact that there's no fences and you can go to the ledge and fall off if you're trying to get a selfie. But at that point serves you right. Or you have the imp of the perverse where you stand on the edge of something and you're like, what if I jump? I kind of want to jump. That's why I would never go near the edge. I, I yeah. don't think I would actually jump, but it's just when you... Of course. An accident happens. That's how it always works. I mean, not always, but quite often it's like you're there, you're like everything's... And you just one little trip and you're done. But people don't seem to care. I'll go lay my feet over the edge. I'll take... I'll jump. I'll do a jumping selfie. Yeah, you gotta do it for the gram. <laughs> yeah, and ultimately, I guess that's what Jupiter would turn into. It's like people had easy yes. access. Just become an Instagram background. That's when they should be launched into the atmosphere. We should watch them. I mean, they'd be so small, you wouldn't see anything. Yeah, it would just go. Because when you had that comet that slammed into Jupiter however many years ago. Yeah, was that 94? Uh, I remember that. Yeah, it was was an interesting thing because we were able to see. It helped them understand. I remember reading about it years before and them saying like, Stay tuned, you know, four years from now, this is the this is the projected, you know, place where it's going to land and or it's going to hit. And then um, the bruises stayed on Jupiter for months. Yeah. Shoemaker Levy nine was the comet that slammed into it. And it did. It what year like, was it? It looked like it, it was 94. You were right. July. <gasps> well, it broke apart in 92. So this is what you're talking about. Broke apart yeah. in 92. And then they said, all right, in a couple of years. Watch for this. And then we got some pictures of it and helped them figure out you know, more about the makeup of Jupiter and the way that thing just ate it up. And I get it. When you are saying earlier that Jupiter does, it does actually catch a lot of these objects that otherwise yeah. could slam into Preach. Earth. I mean, there's an idea that Earth wouldn't even exist as it exists now conducive for life if Jupiter wasn't there. Yeah. Like it could have just been completely destroyed or just beaten to a pulp and then not had had have had the conditions to form an atmosphere and all the things that we need, uh, mm-hmm. which is the long sp- the the relatively long spans of time well, that we need to just chill and change. <laughs> which goes to show that like, when people talk about life being rare in the universe, 
And if it does take something like a sun, like ours, and a habitable zone, but also then having another planet that can protect that one planet where life could form, you know, the chances probably are pretty low. So many factors have to come into play and it just kind of has to be the way it worked out. That's just right. Everything just happened the way it needed to happen. I mean, I think that there is probably other forms of life out there. And again, I, I wish people would spend more time or show more interest in exploring places where we could possibly find life. But, you know, the churches are stopping that from happening. <laughs> well, I think... Um, That's not true. It's a f- I know. <laughs> I made that up. That's based on nothing. <laughs> based on... Um, Makes sense, yeah. though. Oh, if we find uh, life, then we're exposed. And then we're like, okay, so just... Nailing, you know, like a whatever to a church door. The Pope is very rich, and he sends bribes to space explorers. Like, don't explore that place. We can't find, even if it's bacteria, we can't find anything. Like an eel... It goes against what we think is a god. Yeah, what if there's an eel in your, on Europa just swimming around? <gasps> yeah. What if there were animals on Jupiter swimming around in the atmosphere? Like eels. How big would they be? Well, it's hard to say because our concept of what makes things big is based on our our rules. And the rules would be different because on that planet, because it's it's starting at a at a base that's totally different from ours. Gas base. Well, let's just add to the frightening nature then by saying that who knows? We've never explored Jupiter. Maybe there are giant snakes that just slither around in the swirling clouds. The gas? Yeah. Yeah. Do they eat each other? Yeah. There's a whole Where's their poop go? There's a whole system. It goes into the Great Red Spot. It's a giant toilet swirling. That's what that is. That's why it's swirling. The it's Coriolis rushing. effect. Yeah. Is it spinning in the proper direction for being south of the equator? Um, <laughs> yes. Is it happening? I'm going to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> it all just funnels well, there. You know, um, I mean, we are not even, as far as like the universe goes, we're not even in the infancy of a human life. We're in like conception as far as time goes with the universe itself. So other life forms, other places probably haven't had the time to develop and then create an infrastructure that makes it so that we can even be aware of each other. Or maybe they already have and they died out many, many, many years ago because they didn't have a Jupiter. Or just because intelligent life really isn't so t- intelligent, they end up finding ways to destroy themselves. Sure. could I mean, it's, a, it's an infinite number of things. And then on top of that, let's throw in the infinite number of universes that are outside of this universe. Yeah, you're getting into the multiverse. Going, going into the multiverse, multiverse now. Yeah. And there's a theory. There's this really cool theory where um, intelligent life typically will get so intelligent it's like across the board um if it doesn't die out and doesn't do this then it has no quote children because okay so these intelligent beings including ourselves may eventually be able to create like a almost a portal because we're able to focus um uh the uh uh remember that that thing the um hydrogen uh break it broke apart the oh fuck i should have looked this up before i talked about it um 
it's that it was that big it's that big underground like tube thing and, and the they were collider. smashing thing yes hydron what's it called no i i think it's just the name uh anyway what are you saying so that eventually we may figure this out or we might not but we may be able to create the beginnings of a universe because we'll have started the very beginning of how a universe can begin. And then that will, of course, like will evolve and expand. And if we're able to do that, then what may happen with these intelligent beings, which may also be ourselves, is that we'll create a universe within a universe. And those will be like the children of different universes. So if the one universe that we consider is the universe, the, then that can die out eventually and we will have created another universe. So if we don't do that, if, if one universe doesn't have quote children, then it will just eventually just die out. Everything eventually will die. Nothing, even like protons, everything will just like fizzle away because there's nothing. But if you create these children, if these intelligent beings create the children, then a universe can live on infinitesimally. And that's like the only, that's the only way that they theorize that the universe doesn't end with like an icy, cold, infinitely nothing. So just one thing you said, infinite. Testimony. That means extremely small. Is that what you meant? I think you just meant. <laughs> oh, I meant infinity. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So then the uh, Sorry. large hadron collider. Yes. That's just the name of it. Yeah. I mean, I, I know when they're smashing these things and possibly there is the idea that you could create another universe from one of these theories. And I don't even know what the theory is anymore. At some point, like multi versus come into play with the string theory, which was trying to unite, uh, physics and quantum physics and they could never do it and it just becomes stranger and crazier and maybe it's yeah. real it's like it's probably something that it's whatever the reality is i wouldn't surprise me if it was very strange and hard to understand um, but isn't this idea if you create another universe in your universe you're just going to destroy your universe I guess we don't know. When the universe first started, the idea is that there was matter and antimatter and they just canceled each other out violently. And then there was just a little more matter left than the antimatter. But if you create a new universe, then they're creating more of that setting than the antimatter could just wipe out all the matter. So <laughs> I don't know if people really is want to start. Is antimatter the same as dark matter? No, that's different. Or dark energy? No, antimatter is not around really anymore because it just canceled out itself dark matter is the mass of galaxies for example doesn't match uh all the physical fit uh, visible visible and physical physical is my new word matter okay so it's like oh say, this, say it again say it one more time it's just this idea it's like the mass doesn't match it's like all right this universe or oh. this uh, galaxy should have this much mat mass to it but we can't that doesn't exist if we add up all the stars and all the planets and everything that exists in it it's not matching like it, this isn't so there's this idea that there's some other sort of mass there that we can't see right and that's mm -hmm. dark matter and then dark energy is the thing that's apparently fueling the expansion of the universe forever and it's increasing in speed yeah instead of slowing down which makes sense to me 
my brain. But that's where dark energy comes in. Like, why is it not slowing down? Yeah. Something's still propelling it. Like, let's go, light speed. There's just too many things people will never know. I mean, it's interesting that we know this much as it is. Uh, I just feel like there's a limit on the brain. It's like how there full. is. It's I, I heard it explained like it's dog. It's, it's asking a dog to explain the Internet. <laughs> well, they cannot do it because they don't have the, the, the capacity to understand or to explain. And neither do we. Well, we do have quite a bit of capacity. I just at some point. I think there's a limit. It's like, all right, you can't you're not going to go past that. Yeah. We're not moving past it. You can keep trying. You can be Brian Green all you want and try to be clever with your Simpsons references to make science more relatable. You loser. You Who's pathetic. That? <laughs> he's a he's another one of these astrophysicists who wants uh-huh. to be popular and famous. And he's quite often on with Neil deGrasse Tyson and things. And, you know, he's on a lot of the shows because uh-huh. compared to a lot of the real weirdos, he is able to relate. But I was reading one of his books once. Uh, um, like he was behind the... Uh, or he was buying into the uh, like string theory and like elegant universe. I don't know if you ever saw uh-huh. that. That was a series on like PBS at some point. Uh, and so the multiverse kind of ties into some of his theories. But I just the guy in the book, it's like Simpsons references. And if you look at the back cover, here, look at this. He puts himself giant on the back. It's like, get your face off of this book. Nobody wants to see you. I don't want to see you. I'm not reading your book because of you. You're not a fucking rock star if you wanted to be a rock star who didn't even do good music but was there an image alone you should have been in the hair metal band in the 80s i don't i know that the dude's in it for the right work because that's probably what lured him to it but at some point people just like i need to be seen and known it's like shut up you should be sent to jupiter at that point these are the people that need to be sent yeah. And it also, I think it undermines his work. It's like you could be doing more work if you didn't care about your image being on your fucking books or people who do charitable work and then they brag about it. It's like, you know, if you do charitable work, it should be written nowhere. It just should be something you did because that's the point of charitable work. It's not so you can get a, a applause and a pat on the back. <laughs> this ties you. This ties into our topic because... Uh, you know, we can use space and the scary parts of space to our advantage. That's where the focus should be. We should be using it to frighten the shit out of people and to <laughs> have them reform their whole ways of thinking and viewing but people, life. People go and see that kind of thing and be like, well, everything is pointless. So when I get back to Earth, I'm going to fuck shit up because nothing really matters anymore. Possibly. And then at that point, then you should go to traditional jail. But I think a lot of people... Just, I just want them to realize that they're not that special. You're not. I would write a book. Wouldn't even put my name on it. Use a different name. No yeah. pictures of me. No one Jake knows Mes- who I am. Mesmer. Well, then people know it would be Jack, Jake Mesmer because it's my alter ego. It's your nom de plume. I just, I don't do things for the sake of doing them. Not to be known for doing them. Pathetic. This is the limitation of humans. It's always got to be about themselves. Any advancements in science, uh, you're talking about how people were talking about Venus early on. I guarantee there were people who had that theory. Venus is a great place to live. It would, we can go and colonize. It's going to be wonderful. And as soon as they found out that it wasn't a good place to live, there were still those people like, no, no, 
No, because they dedicated their lives work to it and everything they ever lived for has been proven to be a waste of time. And that's hard. I understand that. But to hinder the actual progress progress that you claim to stand for is ridiculous. It's like at that point, it's like it's just about your ego. That's all it's about. Maybe that's what the universe is. Maybe our ego is the dark energy that's driving the part of the universe. And if people just put their egos in check for a little bit, the, uh, the universe would stop expanding at this accelerated pace and wouldn't eventually you know, rip itself apart or whatever's going to happen. And maybe mm-hmm. it could just achieve some balance. But that's what it is. It's all tied together. The universe is actually the inside of human consciousness, not giving humans too much credit, even saying that. Uh, it's all one and the same and exists everywhere and nowhere at once. And if people's got over themselves, maybe the violence in the universe would die down. But they can't. They can't. There. That's my theory on this week's show. <laughs> I think that the universe is <laughs> also what human nature is. Which is what? Violent. Horrible, beautiful, interesting, scary. Well, that's poetic. Exciting. It's very poetic. You should uh, write a, a book of poetry on that. I know we already have the uh, music that ties to all the planets. Who did that? That's one of your favorite orchestral pieces, classical pieces. Gustav Holst, they have different pieces for all the planets. So I was listening to the Jupiter one. And so I think we should play out with that song. Okay, we can do that. Okay, thank you. Are we wrapping up? <laughs> yeah. Okay, just to make sure. Thanks for listening to One Topic. Like and subscribe, rate and review. Support our sponsor, hoffandpepper.com. You can use our code ONETOPIC15 to get 15% off of some really amazing Chattanooga locally based hot sauce. Uh, Christmas is coming. They have mini flasks um, that you can give as maybe like a stocking stuffer. And then it's a great way to get a taste of it and see if you like it, which you will. So yeah, use our code one topic 15 at hoffandpepper.com. Thank you. Goodbye. Greg. Hey, Autumn. Do you like hot sauce? You know, I do like hot sauce, but I'm getting pretty bored of my regular Texas Peter Tabasco. I'm looking for a local sauce without Mm. any additives or extracts, a company that uses local peppers so it's as fresh as possible, and a company that really cares about the integrity of the sauce and where their ingredients come from. Definitely. And hey, while we're at it, I don't want a sauce with too many ingredients. Mm-mm. You know, a lot of other sauces out there, they have all kinds of fillers. So I'd love to find a sauce with, I don't know, what, let's say no more than five ingredients. I mean, it's crazy, but there's gotta be a company out there that hand processes their sauce. You know, bottling and labeling every bottle themselves. I'm probably asking a lot. Well, you really are, but there is a hot sauce out there who only uses five ingredients. What? zero fillers, additives, or extracts, and who bottles, labels, and packages everything themselves. It's called Hoff Sauce. What? They're a small batch hot sauce company out of Chattanooga, Tennessee, that's won best Louisiana style sauce in the country. How many times? Not once, not twice, three times. 
times. Three times! How does that sound, Greg? I think that sounds amazing. You know how you can get your own bottle of no, hot sauce? No, no. Tell me, please, now. Hoffandpepper.com. And not only am I giving you the gift of the best hot sauce that you'll ever taste, I'm going to give you 15% off if you use the code 1TOPIC15. Hold on, that's... Yes, get a pen and paper. One topic 15. Good. That's O-N-E-T-O-P-I-C-1-5. All squished together at checkout. You'll get 15% off your order and your life will be better. Thank you. You're welcome. Welcome.